0: Life is full of peaks and valleys, ups and downs, times when the sun is shining bright like this day, and times when it feels like an endless night. In the text that we're about to look at this morning, we see that God meets us when we're on the mountaintop, and he also meets us when we're in the darkest valley. Elijah just experienced one of the greatest spiritual triumphs against the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. The fire of God fell down from heaven, proving that Yahweh, the God of Israel, was the one true living God. After three long years of drought, Elijah prayed and God sent the rain. God was meeting Elijah in very powerful ways. But when Queen Jezebel hears from King Ahab that Elijah had killed all of her prophets, she sends him one angry death threat. One threat from the enemy caused Elijah to run. He ran and ran for 40 days and 40 nights through the sweltering desert. All memory of recent triumph in faith and prayer somehow vanished in his mind. The enemy of our soul uses fear and intimidation to take our eyes off of Jesus and on our circumstances. One lie from the enemy is all it takes to make us run, throw in the towel, and forfeit our destiny. And that is where we find our hero in the text this morning. He's lying inside of a dark cave on Mount Horeb, ready to throw in the towel. It says in verse 9, There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Now I think it's profound that God asks this question. It's not like he didn't know why Elijah was there. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's the God of this entire universe. Of course he knew why Elijah was there. But I think his question was intended to motivate Elijah to examine his heart. What are you really doing here, Elijah? It forced him to think about why he was on the run. He had to confront his fears his doubts, and his depression. But instead of responding to God's invitation to dig a little deeper, he says in verse 10, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Can you sense the fear, the loneliness, and the self-pity in his response? Elijah believed that he was the only one left, but in reality, that wasn't true. Obadiah, the king's administrator, was secretly hiding a hundred prophets of Yahweh in caves, supplying them with bread and water. Elijah was not the only prophet alive. But that's what fear can do to us at times. It makes us I feel isolated and alone, like no one understands us. When you're reading the story, you can't help but wonder, "Wait, is this the same guy from just a chapter ago?" On Mount Karma, we see Elijah, the great spiritual leader who turned the Israelites' hearts back towards God. But on Mount Horeb, we see a totally different side of Elijah. One who is weak and fragile, hiding in a cave, one who is human. Have you ever had moments in your life when you were feeling weak and vulnerable? Moments when you were afraid, discouraged, and alone? Elijah was human, just like any of us. And being human means that there will be limitations, physical, emotional, and spiritual limitations that remind us that we are not God. Elijah spent all his energy in his battles and was wiped out. He had to come to the end of himself where he no longer had the fortitude to do God's work. And oftentimes, it's when we finally come to the end of ourselves that we can begin to experience God in a new way. What's so special about this story is that God, in his goodness and mercy, doesn't rebuke Elijah for his shortcomings. In fact, he even sent an angel to feed him when he was traveling through the desert so that he would have enough strength to make it to Mount Horeb. Elijah might have been disillusioned and depressed, but he at least did one thing right. He ran towards God instead of running from him. You see, he ran to Mount Horeb, which was believed to be the same location as Mount Sinai, the place where it all began. Mount Sinai was where God revealed himself to his servant Moses and established his covenant with the people of Israel. Elijah coming to the end of himself, knew that his only hope was a fresh encounter with the living God. So how does God meet with us in our darkest moments when we're like Elijah hiding in that cave? Well, let's see how God comes to him in verses 11 to 13. And he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, And a great and strong wind tore the mountain and broke in pieces the rock before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Now I wonder what it was like for Elijah as the ground shook under his feet, as he ducked for cover with the flames of fire and pieces of rock flying everywhere. What a terrifying sight that must have been. And yet something about all this was so familiar where had he seen this before that's right as a young boy Elijah had heard stories that was passed down from generation to generation that God appeared before his servant Moses and to the people of Israel on this very mountain that he was on with fire smoke and thunder Seeing these visible signs was a reminder of God's covenant with Israel and that even in their idolatry and rebellion, he was still faithful to his people. Seeing the fire must have also rekindled the memory of Elijah's most recent showdown against the prophets of Baal, as the fire of God fell, proving that he was the one true God. And yet scripture tells us that this time, This time, God's presence was not in any of these dramatic, visible signs of power. It was only after the wind, earthquake, and fire had passed that the sound of a gentle, low whisper followed. Many refer to this low whisper as the still, small voice, but the better translation in Hebrew is the sound a thin silence God was in the silence the hush that followed after all the clamor of destruction and it is with silence hanging in the air that God finally appears before his servant Elijah now you may be sitting there thinking but isn't it bad if God is silent? Doesn't that mean he isn't there? Or worse, that he doesn't care? Well, we live in a loud world where television, internet, and smartphones constantly fill the void with white noise. We're not used to silence. Most of us don't know what to do with ourselves if things are too quiet. But did you know that there are actual health benefits to, si- to silence? In one study, medical researchers found that practicing silence can create new brain cells associated with learning, memory, and emotions. Being silent for just two minutes can release stress and tension in the brain and in the body better than relaxing music can. Silence can improve one's sleep and also heighten one's sensitivity to their senses. Well, it's no wonder that God chose to meet with Elijah in the silence. The poor guy was physically and mentally and emotionally exhausted. God cared for his servant and knew that that's what he needed the most, silence. How gentle and how loving. Silence also required Elijah to draw a little closer to God so that he could hear what he was about to say. He had to lean in to hear his gentle whisper. What this passage shows us is that there is a measure of death and intimacy that is cultivated with God in the silence. Imagine a married couple who never got any alone time. That would be a major stumbling block in their relationship. Well, it's the same way with God. There are certain things that can only be heard in silence, and there are certain things that can only be revealed in silence. It's only when our thoughts and our tumultuous emotions subside, when the internal and the external noise is quieted, that we can finally hear the voice of God bringing clarity and understanding To our circumstances. It is in the silence that God encourages Elijah and tells him what to do in verses 15 to 18. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria, and Jehu the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elijah the son of Shaphat of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Wow, all this time. Elijah's thinking that evil was winning, and yet here God was working behind the scenes. In the silence, Elijah was finally able to see things from God's perspective. He discovered that he, in fact, was not alone, that besides the 100 prophets that were hiding in the cave, there were 7,000 other Israelites who had not worshipped Baal. God had also set apart three successors who would continue the work, That he had started. It shows us that even when we feel like giving up, God will never give up on us, for he is always working behind the scenes. There was once a time in my life similar to Elijah when I was in a dark cave, one full of sorrow and despair. I was 23 years old and out of college, and the future looked bright. I got admitted to med school, my faith in God was growing exponentially, and plus I had my youthful good looks, so all was well. (laughs) Life seemed like it was headed on the right track. But then one afternoon in the middle of October, I happened to be reading an article on breast cancer awareness and in the article, that encouraged young women to conduct self-exams. And I thought to myself, well, surely this doesn't pertain to me because breast cancer doesn't run in my family. But a gentle nudge prompted me to check. And sure enough, when I did, I felt a huge lump. After several tests and a biopsy, my doctor discovered a rare tumor, which thankfully was benign, but had the potential to turn malignant at any given point. So I had two surgeries to get it removed. The whole ordeal happened so quickly, and to be honest, it was so traumatizing. Mostly because I had lived a sheltered, carefree life up to that moment. At 23 years old, I thought I was invincible. Never had I imagined that I would be confronted with the thought of death so soon. I wish I could say that my physical problems ended there, but that was just the beginning. I eventually gave up on med school, I gave up on God, and I gave up on myself. I was so discouraged and so depressed that I had cut off all contact with the outside world and settled in a cave of hopelessness and despair. That period of deep darkness lasted for about a year. It was so bad. I was hardly able to leave the house, let alone get out of bed. I had zero energy. I couldn't worship. I couldn't even pray. Most days, I just cried. I shouted. I screamed. I cried out to God in my deepest pain, but there was no answer. Only silence. Then one night, while I was sound asleep, I felt someone enter my room, but there was no sound of a door opening. And suddenly, I felt a warm hand touching my back ever so gently. And I knew it was God. I tried so hard to wake up, but I couldn't. It was like I was sedated. And Jesus, the great physician, came into my room to perform some deep surgery in my heart. It was just one touch, But in it, he seemed to say, I see you, and I am here with you. In the middle of the night, in my darkest hour, Jesus walked into my room and placed his hand on my back. That gentle touch comforted my soul. I knew that I wasn't alone, but that God was with me, and that somehow I would get through this. That was the start of my healing journey, which eventually led me out of darkness and into the light. The fact that I'm standing here before you, even telling you this story, is proof that God is faithful even when we're not. There may be times when we wanna give up, but God in his infinite love and mercy will never give up on us. Over the years, I discovered that the most life-transforming moments happen when we encounter God alone In the silence. And if you think about it, that's what Jesus did for us. As he hung on the cross, his life ebbed away. And with his final breath, he conquered sin and death in silence. Death was defeated in silence. I believe that the very same God who met Elijah in that cave, the one who came into my room that night and placed his hand on my back, is the very same God who is accessible to all of us. And whether we find ourselves on the highest mountain or in the darkest valley or somewhere in between, God is near to each one of us. And as we close, I would like for us to encounter God in the silence. You can close your eyes and imagine Jesus standing in front of you. Or if you would like to keep your eyes open, you can fix your eyes on the cross right above me. Let's take a moment now and meet with God in silence. Amen.